From executive search to talent strategy, leadership development, rewards and succession planning, Corn Ferry can help you realize the full potential of your people. So you can take your business where it wants to go. Up. Learn more at cornferry.com slash up. Well, I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door. That way Lumber can't see me. <laughs> and uh, after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell him uh, space out? Yeah. I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. Welcome to Game Plan. I'm Sam Grobart, a writer at Bloomberg Businessweek magazine. And I'm Rebecca Greenfield, a reporter at Bloomberg, where I cover the workplace. That clip you just heard, if it wasn't already familiar, is from the movie Office Space, which is universally acknowledged to be perhaps the greatest single piece of art ever created on the subject of the workplace. In the clip that we just heard, we have an incredibly candid and frank conversation between an underachieving employee and the consultants who have been brought in to examine just who should stay and who should go. This week on our show, because the last week and probably the last year and a half for many of you has been exhausting and the news has been relentless. So much news. We decided that going into Thanksgiving, this episode would be about something lighter. And we're going to do our show about movies that portray working life in a way that we think is very accurate. It's Becca and Sam at the movies. (laughs) So we've picked some clips from movies that we feel really get at some universal truths about life at work. And we're going to listen to them and then we're going to talk about them a little bit. Becca, do you want to go first? Sure. So my first clip is from The Devil Wears Prada, which is a classic film about a woman working for what is supposed to be Vogue magazine. In this clip, it's Andy, the main character's first day at work, and she encounters her coworker, who is also an assistant for the editor-in-chief of this Vogue-like magazine, who is played by the amazing Meryl Streep. I picked this clip because in it you see how quickly everyone settles into the hierarchies of an office and things that from an outsider would seem completely unimportant are very important to somebody trying to hold on to their tiny little bit of power. I hope you know that this is a very difficult job Mm -hmm. for which you are totally wrong. And if you mess up, my head is on the chopping block. Okay, first of all, you and I answer the phones. The phone must be answered every single time it rings. If I'm not here... Andrea, Andrea, you are chained to that desk. Well, what if I need to... What? No. One time an assistant left the desk because, you know, she sliced her hand open with a letter opener and Miranda missed Lagerfeld just before he boarded a 17-hour flight to Australia. She now works at TV Guide. Remember, you and I have totally different jobs. I mean, you get coffee (laughs) and you run errands, yet I'm in charge of her schedule, her appointments and her expenses. And, um... Most importantly, um, I get to go with her to Paris for Fashion Week in the fall. Yeah, so, I mean, the whole movie is really great about showing office life, and I don't think that's just true for media companies, since we work at media company. I think that this woman is low on the totem pole, and 
you remember when you're fresh out of college and you think you know everything and you come in and you do not expect to be slapped in the face by this organization where people have power and jobs and want to show you how much power they have. I often refer to these people, and I'm sure many others as well do, as tiny emperors. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, their, their kingdom is basically their desk, but they do have maybe control over one infinitesimally small thing, and they will then lord it over you. Yeah. And the other aspect to this that I think that clip really demonstrates quite well is the notion of hazing almost in a new job. That you're coming in as a young person, it doesn't matter if you're smart, it doesn't matter if you actually know what you're doing. They're just going to make your life kind of miserable because someone made their life miserable. And that's just the tradition. Emily Blunt is really great in that role. And I just love how she says, our jobs are different. Mine is more important than yours. But if you really listen to the words she's saying, she does scheduling instead of getting coffee. It's It's arbitrary. It's completely arbitrary. And I like how throughout the movie, they do become closer as they work more together. Those two characters. I will say, to the credit of the movie, they... They do round out Emily Blunt's character to be an actual human being yeah. and not just a caricature of this kind. And they do that with all the characters in the movie, in fact, and even Meryl Streep's character. Yeah. And like you said, starting a new job, when I've started new jobs or when new people come in to new jobs, you immediately do have this kind of like animal kingdom reaction to them. You're Definitely. like sizing them up and trying to see if they're going to be a threat to you, and you also need to show them that you could be a threat to them. That's right. That's right. Which is really mature and cool. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> Let's move on to our next clip. Yeah, uh, Sam, what do you got? Okay, so I have picked a clip from one of my favorite, favorite movies of all time, a movie called Broadcast News, which stars Holly Hunter, William Hurt, and the always, always amazing Albert Brooks. And a lot of people know this movie as being sort of a love triangle set at a network news operation in D.C. But the clip that I want you to listen to is actually the undercurrent of the whole movie, which is that there are all these layoffs about to happen. And then they do happen. And in a movie that's supposed to be considered a romantic comedy, it actually does as good a job as I've ever seen as what an office looks like the day that people lose their jobs. He'll just be a minute. I hate this so much. You know, I'm just old enough to be flattered by the term early retirement. That's wonderful. What a lovely line. Now, if there's anything I can do for you. Well, I certainly hope you die soon. This is a severe cutback, Tom. 27 people in this bureau alone, including technical personnel. We're going to reorganize at the same time. We're going to drop you out of Washington and assign you to London. I mean, obviously, the clip has some humor in there. There's the great line, I'll hope you'll die soon, which is probably something we've all wished we could say. Yeah, more fantasy than reality. It's true. But then it does have a lot of actual reality in it, in terms of just the dislocating feeling that that day takes on and you know you're just being surrounded by people who a terrible thing has just happened to them but other people are still there it's a weird mix yeah it's this general mood that is is somber but also people saying like oh let's get drunk 
or right. you don't really know how to feel the shock. Right. It's all happening at once. Layoffs generally are a surprise, and perhaps that's for the best as far as morale is concerned. But ooh, when that Band-Aid is ripped off, it can be exceedingly painful. And I just think this movie does a really good job of showing that. I think a lot of movies treat the workplace as a very background yeah. subject. Like you often don't even know what they do for a living or if they do, it's just sort of right. like, I'm an architect. Fine. <laughs> you know, but this really actually gives you an up close portrayal of that environment. Yeah. And I liked how it treated layoffs, like you said, in a very realistic way. I'm trying to think of other movies that have done the layoff scene and everything's really chaotic and people just run away and steal things and then the building's empty. And that may have been true for kind of historic layoffs you know, on Wall Street and things like that. But this was kind of like the general run of the mill or restructuring, getting rid of some people, cutting costs layoff. The only other thing I would say about this is that it also shows how people drop the veil, if you will, or the mask that they wear at work. I mean, I think everybody has a certain way that they are in the office that's different than probably how they are at home or with their friends. And it might be just a minor distinction. But you see people here, they're crying, you know, and you see people here who are very upset. And we normally don't see that kind of raw emotion in the workplace. That's never really considered welcome. But mm -hmm. on these days, those rules seem to be suspended. The next clip that I picked is from the movie Nine to Five, which is a great, great, great movie. It's from over 25 years ago, and it feels really radical even today. I'm so glad you picked this it's one. It's so great. It's and in the scene that I chose, Dolly Parton's character is having a fantasy about how she would treat her boss if she could, her boss who sexually harasses her on a regular basis. Morning. Hold it. Just hold it right there. Something wrong? No, no, nothing's wrong. I just want to check your bod. Turn around for a second. Oh. Boy, you got a nice ass frame. But you know you ought to get your pants cut a little tighter. You need to bring them up just a little in the crotch. I mean, you got a nice package. You might as well show it off. Oh, Mrs. Rhodes. <laughs> Come over here. I want you to take a memo. Oh, by the way, I got a surprise for you here. Mrs. Rhodes, I am a married man. Forget about your wife, Frank. I mean, you may be hers in the evening, but you're my boy from nine to five. Here, I wanted to show you what I got for you. Isn't that pretty? Yes, it's pretty. It's very pretty, but you shouldn't be buying gifts for me, oh, Mrs. Rhodes. Okay, let me put it on here. Oh, that wasn't so bad, was it? No. I love your hair. It's so sexy. Why don't we go over on the couch and I'll go lock the door? Mrs. Rhodes. Oh, let's be friendly, Frank. I mean, you've got to be a little more cooperative if you want to keep this job. Mrs. Rhodes. I told you I'm not that kind of boy. Oh, get off it. One little kiss. What's no. that going to hurt? No. Who's going to know? No. No. I won't. I love this scene because it's so absurd, but it's only absurd because we're hearing it come from a woman almost. Right. Earlier in the movie, her boss does these kinds of things to her all the time, and we treat it as tragic, but kind of in that, oh, yeah, that happens way. But I think almost every line she says is something that he has already said to her and that we have heard him say. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then it's the inversion that we all go, what? Yeah. So in this movie, they work at a company called Consolidated Companies. It's all about 
working in a generic office in the 80s. It's so great. And it's about these three women who are treated in sexist ways and in very different ways. And the best thing about the movie is that toward the end, they take over the office and implement all these changes that even now would be considered not usual, like paid family leave and daycare and equal pay. That's crazy, Becca Greenfield. (laughs) It'll never happen. And then... The boss comes back and he says, no, I'm going to get rid of all these changes. You can't do that. And his higher up comes and says, actually, everyone's been so productive. You should keep all these changes except for equal pay, which is the punchline. Right. But not really a punchline anymore. That's still 25 years later. Shit's not funny. No. No. But it's such a great movie. It's so funny. And I, I think it's a little feminist manifesto. And the theme song is fantastic and very good to do at karaoke. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get that in there. (laughs) Up happens when the power and potential of every employee and leader in your workforce is released. And Corn Ferry can get you there by aligning your people to your strategy, attracting, developing, engaging, and rewarding them to reach new heights. With Corn Ferry, you get a partner who truly understands people, leadership, and the new landscape of work. A partner who knows how to take your business up. Learn more at cornfairy.com slash up. All right, um, what's your, your last clip? Yeah, my last clip is from the classic film The Apartment, starring Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine, largely considered to be one of the great comedies of the modern era. The clip I selected deals with the jargon that comes out of that very technocratic culture. And the thing I want you to listen to is how the suffix wise, like appointment-wise or employee-wise is starting to be thrown around the office. And it's this kind of jargon that people like to use to feel knowledgeable and special. And then what you start to see is that other people who are maybe lower down on the totem pole start to use it as well as a means to sort of gain entry into that rarefied echelon. Premium-wise and billing-wise, we are 18% ahead of last year, October-wise. Oh, excuse me. Hi. 27, please. I drive carefully. You're carrying precious cargo. I mean, mad power-wise. 27. You may not realize it, Miss Kubelik, but I am in the top 10, efficiency-wise. And this may be the day, promotion-wise. You're beginning to sound like Mr. Kirkaby already. Again, this is a movie that is known for its sort of romantic qualities, but if you look not very far past it, it really gets into the world of work at this very male-dominated, very sort of corporate culture time. And it's a shame in this case that we're actually doing a podcast, I feel, because visually it's just like a sea of cubicles. (laughs) And you don't even, like, they don't even end. It just keeps going forever. I've never seen this movie. What struck me about the clip was how much people bought into the jargon so quickly. They're speaking it like it doesn't sound completely ridiculous, which is exactly what happens with jargon. And the thing the movie shows is because our hero protagonist, C.C. Baxter, is a young man trying to move his way up within the company, he takes on these speech patterns of his bosses. So speech becomes sort of a key into a, hopefully, a world that you want to be a part of, or almost like currency that you can use to show, like, oh yeah, I'm I'm with the, uh, the higher-ups here. I know how they speak. So you mentioned that we couldn't see the movies, but one thing, just watching all these clips as we were preparing for the show, was that how the aesthetics of The Office really haven't changed that much. So you have a movie from the 60s, The Apartment, 9 to 5, which is from the early 80s, and then Office Space, which I think was 1999. And, I mean, except for the production quality, they could all be 
the That's same right. era. It's cubicle Just after cubicle cubi- after cubicle. Bland, cubicles, office workers, a lot of these same themes come up in all the movies. The only right. one that looks slightly more modern is The Devil Wears Prada, but that's because they're at a fashion magazine. And in fact, fashion magazine offices tend to be kind of very slick and cool yeah. and everything else. I do think that movies sometimes really overdo it on workplaces. So they go find like an amazingly cool looking place and they fill it with awesome furniture. And it's like, that would never happen. It would be a much cheaper arrangement. They'd kind of slap some stuff together because that just makes more sense financially. Yeah, I'm thinking of that movie, The Intern, which came up when we were thinking of our clips. Did you uh, yes, that? also with Anne Hathaway. Yes, Anne Hathaway is just in a lot of movies I watch. Famous. America's Sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. I have not seen The Intern, unfortunately. I saw it, fell asleep during it, but I the <laughs> office was striking to me. It's supposed to be a startup office, and it kind of looks like a mock-up of a startup office. It's really nice. Right. They overdo it. It's like yeah. apartments on TV shows. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like Carrie Bradshaw and Sex and the City. Although there was a recent article talking about how that's changed a little bit. Like, if you look at the house in Insecure, it is it looks like where they would live. Okay. Good, yeah. good for TV. Yeah. TV's catching on. <laughs> Yeah, so speaking of TV, we're going to focus on that for our Half-Baked Takes. Half-Baked Takes. So, Becca, do you have any partially formed ideas about television and its portrayal of the workplace? Here's my thought about people working in television shows. I remember anytime I was watching a television show and my dad would walk into the room, he would say, what do these people do for a living? I think to somehow, I don't know, delegitimize whatever show I was watching. Now, because of that, I'm quite attuned to what people do for a living on television shows and how often that they do it during shows. And it's actually more than you would think. For example, I'm watching, re-watching Gilmore Girls to get ready for the new Netflix Gilmore Girls. And Lorelai, one of the main characters, works in an inn. Right. And she's often in the inn, taking calls, like organizing things. She works. She works. No, that her job makes up a considerable portion yeah. of that show. And I think that was rare at the time. I think it's gotten more common now. Anyway, what's yours? Okay, I'm going to make a recommendation, which is semi-work related. This is a little bit of a reach, but what the hell. Okay, so my... That's ha- what half-baked takes are for. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> my half-baked take is a television recommendation, something I really enjoy doing. Um, it is about a workplace just probably one that none of us have ever seen the inner workings of. And that show is The Crown, which is currently available for streaming on Netflix. And it is a fictionalized but semi-historically accurate portrayal of Queen Elizabeth II. And it starts when she was just a princess and you follow her all the way through. And so there's lots of stories being told. There are big political things happening. There are personal relationships. But you also just get a sense of how Buckingham Palace like functions and how the office of the Queen functions and who are all of these different people. So it's a pretty extraordinary look inside something that you know I knew nothing about. I was going to make some joke about like being a queen, not being a real job. But real question, the staff of Buckingham Palace, that's a job, right? You, those like, are, yeah. You apply for that. Oh, I mean, and like some people who have those jobs are like very high in the social stratosphere of England. So okay. it's it's not, you know, it's like it's a fancy job. It's okay. not even like you would have to be have gone to university. You would have had so to have been So being bo- a janitor at Buckingham Palace, you also have to have gone to Oxford. Is what I'm I'm hearing. I'm going to go with that. I'm <laughs> going to say that's totally true, Becca. Okay, cool. I should watch The Crown. You should watch The Crown. It is a really great show. Claire Foy as Elizabeth is a wonder. It's really quite amazing. And this has been Half-Baked Takes. 
Big takes. Well, this has been a really fun show, a departure from our usual fare. I hope that you all had fun. Thanks for listening to Game Plan. I'm Sam Grobart. If you want to find me on Twitter, look me up at Sam Grobart. And I'm Rebecca Greenfield. You can find me on Twitter at RZ Greenfield. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes. This show has been produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen. The head of podcast is Alec McCabe. Happy Thanksgiving. See you next week. Get the most from your people and send your business soaring with Corn Ferry. From executive search to talent strategy, leadership development, rewards, and succession planning, Corn Ferry knows up is more than a direction. It's your future. Learn more at cornferry.com slash up. This week on our show, this week on our show, game plan, game plan, this week on our show, I'm Sam, I'm Sam, I'm Sam Grobart. This week on our show. This week on our show. Game plan. Game plan. This week on our show. This week on our show. I'm Rebecca Greenfield. Is that all we want to do?